from Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Everybody, welcome back. I'm Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I kind of don't blame the founders of Hogwarts for not allowing boys into the girls' dormitory. Oh, I 100 don't blame. Just them. don't. I, think th- I don't think it was a good choice. idea. I don't think it's a good idea. I also think that they probably should have done it vice versa and kept the girls out of the boys' rooms. But you know, well, you can have. Good. You know what? See, I went to I went to Saint Anselm College. Okay. Right. I feel like we were like the only school on the entire planet to enforce. Like boy dorms, girl dorms, visitation hours, the whole thing. My school did not have that. We had I know a girl you dorm, yeah. but you could come and visit whoever you wanted. It just meant that it was a less smelly dorm. Yeah. It was lovely. Oh, no, no. There's certain visitation hours. Like it begins at 6 p.m. and ends at 2 a.m. or whatever it is. You had to hand over your student ID at nice. the front desk. Okay. The whole, like, you had to do that no matter which dorm you visited. In yeah, but like, you know, but not in not boys to boys. Like, like a, oh. a boy dorm, you could just walk right in if you're okay. a boy, and then like just hang out. But yeah, if you you had to hand over your ID, if you didn't hand over your ID, they were going to check. See, I was an you had RA. To sign in, write your name, the whole thing. I had a magic, magic card since I was an RA. I could get into every dorm. <laughs> I didn't have to sign in. Didn't have to do anything. Thank and you, you very much. You never used it, did you? Used what? I visited you, you, everyone you, you I wanted to visit. You used it for illicit reasons. I'm not an illicit reason kind of person, Blake. <laughs> you I'm dork. I'm a good kid. You I'm dork. good kid. No! I was pr- just a prefect, okay? Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm head girl! <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, my love. Well, here we are in Chapter 17, Educational Decree, number 24. And of course, I begin each chapter by saying a quote from that chapter for you. And I thought... How could I not read educational number 24, educational decree number 24, when it's the chapter called yes. educational decree number 24? Can you do so, me a favor and say it one more time? Educational decree number 24. I'm hemming. By order of the High Inquisitor of Hogwarts, all student organizations, societies, teams, groups, and clubs are henceforth disbanded. An organization, society, team, club, oh, sorry, group or club. Is hereby defined as a regular meeting of three or more students. Permission to reform may be sought from the High Inquisitor, parentheses, Professor Umbridge, end parentheses. No student organization, society, team, group, or club may exist without the knowledge and approval of the High Inquisitor. Any student found to have formed or belonged to an organization, society, team, group, or club, that has not been approved by the High Inquisitor, will be expelled. The above is in accordance with Educational Decree number 24, signed Dolores Jane Umbridge, High Inquisitor. All right, so Marvin, I want to, I have a very serious question for you. Oh. Very serious question. So serious. Do you think? Maybe even serious black serious. Bring it. Do you think when they expel a child from Hogwarts, they go, Expelliarmus! Oh, no, but nice, like... You're welcome, ladies and gents. Wow, you're so sweet. You are welcome for that. Well, on that that. note, let's get into the show. Let's do it. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. recap in case this chapter isn't fresh in your brain of course i mean what i just read is pretty much the highlight and the kids freaking out figuring out can we still do this yes we can and sirius pops his wee little head in the fireplace but of course we've got hedwig drama okay my second favorite character in the book gets assaulted (laughs) and then she's left with grubbly plank great but still all the love to our Poor little broken Hedwig. Yeah. You know what I'm going to say? It should be called Hedwig Hurts. (laughs) Not educational decree number 24. Hedwig gets hurt. Not great, Bob. Great at all. (laughs) She's just doing her job. Uh, So, Mary, there's there's quite a lot here, I think, in this chapter. There is. Uh, Specifically for any organizations, societies, teams, groups, and clubs. Well, that's... (laughs) 
for Which is for a load what, of. for what was it? What was the uh, the educational decree number twenty four? Okay, good, good. Just making sure. Not twenty three or twenty five. No, twenty four. Dolores Jane Umbridge. Yes. <laughs> is is Dolores Umbridge? I feel like we've been asking this question a lot lately. Is she wrong in doing this? Is this a thing that kind of makes sense? Ooh, asking like the big, bold question Listen, right Right away. off the bat, baby. I don't screw around. Mm. Not on this podcast. Um. Okay, so here's the scoop, Poop. She wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for Dumbledore's army getting started. Well, sure. This hasn't been a thing that's been brought up. So one could say, yeah, it's a good idea to have a listing, to have a knowledge base of the different clubs, teams, societies, organizations that are going on at Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we should organize a club day on the on the Quidditch pitch and all the first and second years get to walk around at the different tables and see representatives from the different organizations, <laughs> clubs, societies. And they could go and be like, oh, I love, I'd love to join the choir with Flitwick and I'd I'd love to, you know, do broom maintenance, you know, mm, yeah. I, I'd love to help with Professor Sprout and like do clipping club. I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> that would have been great. Clipping club. I don't know. Like make clippings and then help propagate new plants. <laughs> you know, I had propagation tubes. No! I was into that. When I had COVID and I couldn't go out. Oh, And I would man. track my progress by how far my propagation roots were doing in water. Kids. That was a sad moment in life. <laughs> <laughs> Young listeners, don't join listen the clipping, to Mary. clipping club. Don't join, join the clipping club. Make your club. own clipping club. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> so, don't do it. <laughs> so, in one sense, I think that it is a great thing to have a Rolodex of the different organization, society, team, clubs, and groups. But, however, big is, however, this is started. Already like a month into the school year. Yes. And suspiciously right after Dumbledore's army begins. So there's no coincidence. And rather than be uh, brave and bold, because we know that Dolores Umbridge is not brave at heart. Okay, she's, no. She ain't no Gryffindor. No Gryffindor. She can't just be brave and go on up to the people who she knew was at the Hogshead and say, excuse me. Rumor has it. What's going on here? Yeah. Rumor has it that you want to do your defense against the dark arts. I teach that. Well, Back you know, off. Th- th- this is the other part, too. She may know about Dumbledore's army or the, the impetus of what is becoming the organization, society, team, group, or club. Yes. yes. However, that's just one group out of how many groups that are possibly being made that she has no clue about. Yeah, like little do we know. We we know that the Hufflepuffs don't get enough screen time in this. Yeah, what if they so got some weird Hufflepuff having, group? They totally wanted to start a clipping club for like illegal plants or something. Yeah, <laughs> and then wanted to give it to their best friends because it would help propagate other plants. Uh, love you it, dorks. Okay, no. So that's why I'm saying, had this been started at a different day and time, or when the beginning of the school year started, to have a proper Rolodex, make sure that the students had healthy, safe, you know, organizations going on at school. That would make sense. But at this point, Dolores Umbridge, oh, I'm so frustrated. And I'm so frustrated because where's Dumbledore saying, this is my school? Yeah. Back off. Yeah, well, Dumbledore takes a big back seat in this book yeah. so far. Because and she I, has I, the right to do this. And I think he has to, right? She is the High Inquisitor. Well, I mean, yes. But narratively, he kind of has to because the, the idea here is, well, Dumbledore, Dumbledore knows everything. And Dumbledore's got all the answers. At least that's the way that he's been written so far within these first four books, for the most part. I would say outside of Cedric's death, pretty much everything is within Dumbledore's power to fix, for the most part. Yeah, by now. Um, You can't have both characters together doing what they're doing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Dumbledore has to take a back seat. And there has to be a narrative reason why... He has to take a backseat, right? Like there has to be something. And, you know, obviously, eventually it is laid out why he's kind of in the background. But there. So you need that in order for Umbridge to do what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Right. My question, though, again, still remains, Mary. Is she doing the right thing? Like, is she. Right by who? Well, by the school. By Hogwarts itself? Is she doing right by the school? No. 
Why not? Because Hogwarts hasn't had a problem like this in the past. So why are you messing with a good thing? Okay? Everybody's been happy aside from Cedric. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that had nothing to do yeah, hold with on. an organization, society, team, group, or club. Poor, you know what? Let's just uh, pour one out for, <laughs> for poor Cedric here. Not great, Bob. I um, think that this is bringing down morale, causing confusion left and right. Mm. Obviously, some teams, some Quidditch teams, for example, Slytherin gets approved snap of a finger like that whereas Gryffindor sure. has to take some more time so it's unfair like she doesn't explain why there's a difference so now you're now you're having a lot of unfairness which is not cool with at least two-thirds of the student body population speaking sure. as a Griffin puff myself okay <laughs> Such a loser. So, and um it's undermining professors who are already there who may already run their own clubs Fair. and organizations. But it could just be as something as simple as, hey, checking in with Dolores, my clubs, blah, blah, blah. There you go. Yeah, Angelina Johnson goes and checks in. Hey, I'm here. We've been playing Quidditch forever. Want to make sure we can still do it? And she says no. Well, she doesn't say no. She says- Not right now. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wait and see. Yeah, that's a no. That's not right now. How much is that is the author just no, setting Umbridge up to- to be the the main villain like or is that something like is the author purposely setting making that decision just so you know the gryffindors can be look sympathetic and the the slytherins can look like okay they're getting ready yeah we're doing our per- different perspective right now so i can explain oh. the reasoning oh my we're goodness switching things up okay all right hold on one second let's uh <laughs> let's do this ready here we go yes holy cricket you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are? Dolores Jane Umbridge, otherwise known as the High Inquisitor. Mrs. High, or, or is it Ms. 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 High Inquisitor. I really don't know. I never talk about a partner. and <laughs> It's not important. My cats are my partners. <laughs> all of them, all oh. together. Yes. So much cat litter. Anyway, you were asking a question. Do you do you make it? Do you mm. do like when the cats go poop? Do you just zippity boppity <laughs> boo it away? I'm really sorry, Muggle. Um, can you get to the real question <laughs> that you had just asked? Sure. I have, fine. I have you know responsibilities. Okay, so what's the deal with with why? Why, why are you showing Brit- favoritism towards Slytherin as opposed to Griffin? I mean, they're both Quidditch teams. They're not doing anything bad. They're just playing Quidditch, just a bunch of nerds flying around okay. on brooms. So, uh, you may not know this, your okay. simpleton, muggle, Bostonian mind may not know this. <laughs> Bostonian, but... not Bostonian. Mm, okay. Right. You Good luck with that. British people. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> That's why we I won the war. <laughs> I have it on good authority uh-huh, yeah. that there has been a secret, um, problematic, potentially, uh, organization society team group or club uh-huh. that has met okay and i know for a fact mm-hmm. that none of the slytherin quidditch team okay. was in this group yep. whereas a large portion of the other team's quidditch groups were at this questionable club as you may say right so but were they playing um, quidditch well at I, that club i don't know and i don't know i personally have never played quidditch so i don't know <laughs> if Okay, let's just be real, okay? Let's just be real. Were you Me like a you. cheerleader? I'll or... just obliviate you after we're done. Okay, good. <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> okay, so here's the scoop. Okay. These little rug rats <laughs> were meeting, uh-huh. complaining about my class. Oh, my goodness. Exactly. All right? And a bunch of them are on these Quidditch teams. So who's to say that they're not throwing a quaffle? Instead, talking about me and how poorly I'm doing and trying to teach each other bippity boppity booze. Okay, mm. I can't trust them. Whereas none of my precious sweet Slytherin Slytherins are the best. Mm, I mean, mm. I, I don't know if you've heard it. There's this great podcast, uh, the Potterverse. Oh yeah, I've this heard guy. of it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so um, <laughs> Slytherin, none of them were there. Yeah, they're they're not causing a problem. Mm-hmm. Whereas everybody else, I need to go through with a fine tooth comb, like I'm searching for lice. <laughs> End scene. Little nits. <laughs> fair enough fair enough um but is is the author purposely doing this is is she like is she out setting out to- i'm telling you that if i was dolores umbridge and i knew that there were ravenclaw yes. hufflepuff Qu- gryffindor no slytherins at this meeting yes 
If I were Dolores Umbridge, I would have done the same thing. So this is definitely well within her character. The author isn't forcing this. No. Okay, fair. It feels forced, but when you sit down, you say, who were the problem, kids? Yeah. It's Blue, else. yellow, red, yeah. not green. Fair. Okay, green. Fair. I. Uh, it's like playing um uh that, that game, though. Who's guess who? who? Guess, guess who? who? Who's who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's who? You? If you know nobody where... Is with glasses. If you say, does your person have glasses? And you say, no, you knocked on all the glasses, people, okay? Sure, yeah. You knew there were no Slytherins there. So let the Slytherins have their gobstones. Let the Slytherins have their Quidditch. Yeah. Let them have whatever they want. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. There you go. That's my reasoning. I don't think it's right and just, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, for playing Guess Who, so it makes sense. Another thing I think that, it's, that happens here, too, is... That the author is still continuing to find a way to carve Harry out uh, of his normal activities, which is another way that she's separating him from his normal life, from the things that he connects to. Mm-hmm. The, the author, I think, has done a, a, a fantastic job at making sure that he's been isolated continually. Yes. And this is just another way for that to happen. It's not in your face. I mean, yes, the action is in your face, but the idea of what I think the author is trying to accomplish is not in your face. And I, and I want to, I want your thoughts on that too. Like, is that part of the plan here as well? Do you think? Yes. Let's be real. We've all had those terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days in our lives where it just feels like you're continually getting beat down. I feel like we you know? we, we like to call those years, <laughs> not you just do. days. You do. <laughs> yes. You're good married point. to me. <laughs> For you, it's an hour. <laughs> Maybe a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that this is a very difficult year for Harry. And since we're reading these books basically from Harry's perspective, Harry is not in a good place. And so he is seeing the glass is half empty most of the time unless Cho is by. But the other part of that too- Or Quidditch. But the other part of that too is, I don't think that this is half empty because that's the reality. His world has been turned upside down in many different ways. But that doesn't mean that the sun doesn't shine every once in a while at Hogwarts. (laughs) It doesn't mean that he can't have a delicious- a treckle tarts, you know, he loves the treckle tarts. Sure. So Chocolate I'm frogs. just saying that I mean, it's the cods that you want. He's. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Understand. You think he's got all day to go from your cod to everybody else? He's had a rough time. Okay, he's dealing with PTSD, and I appreciate that he can't see the bright side. Sure. But he's now been at school for a month, and I bet you there have been many bright sides, including Cho. Including treckle tarts. Well, yeah. I mean, Cho is probably the one thing that he's got going for him right now. He's, he has... Ron and Hermione are alive. <laughs> okay? He goes to a magical school. Yeah, that doesn't suck. He gets to fly on a broom. <laughs> he's not under a cupboard anymore. He needs more gratitude He's not in his wearing life. Dudley's... Yes, that's what yes. I'm saying. He needs to practice the secret. How else do you think you're going to get rid of Dolores Jane Umbridge? <laughs> You need to fully believe, you need to journal. You need a journaling. Harry Harry would not be happy with me if I was in his (laughs) class. You know, Harry, let's sit down and write three things that you're grateful for, past, present, future. I didn't die when my parents did, past. I'm not dead now like Cedric. I didn't die when Cedric died. (laughs) And I'm going to kill Umbridge. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, he doesn't kill her, but yeah, I know, he probably yeah. would say something. Like, I don't know why, you know. He's in a bad mood. Someone else that also, I think, does something that is very much in their character, Mary, and that is Ron. Ron, oh, to me, he's so good. immediately jumps to the conclusion that someone ratted him out and that someone ratted out the whole group. Oh. I love this. Yes. I love that Ron is just so quick to be like, you know, it, it, that kid, that what, what was what was the kid's name? That was Zachariah talk, Smith. Zachariah Smith. I have you know, it right look, here. You're looking a little shifty. Or Michael, no, Michael Corner looked shifty. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's saying, saying Zachariah Smith said Ron at once, punching a fist into his hand, <laughs> or I thought that Michael Corner had a really shifty uh, look. 
Oh, man. Yep. No, he's ready. He's ready to do it. And of course, Hermione's got this all figured out. She has her signature thing bamboozled uh, with a little bibbity bobbity booed that they would have had terrible acne had they actually broken their promise. But it's funny that both of these both of these characters are are acting in a way that I think is very commensurate with how they've been written and how they exist. But at the same time, they're kind of playing right into Umbridge's hands, Mary. Right. Because I, I think the idea is to actually you know, like when we have thesis and antithesis or antithesis, the mm-hmm. idea here is like the thesis of this book is what the it, it's not a it's not a secret or it's not um by chance that the sorting hat at the beginning of this book says, listen, everybody should just chill out. Maybe we should get rid of these houses thing. Maybe we should just be one school. And it's not by chance that the antithesis of what is happening is what Umbridge is doing. She is setting everybody else up against each other. And it's already taking effect. By her doing this educational decree number 24, Ron is playing right into her hands in so much as saying that that corner kid had a shifty friggin' look and he's and he's punching his hand into his his fist into his hand that's not the energy you want to be putting out that is very much by design and Mm -hmm. and even the idea of hermione enchanting these signatures whatever the heck she did it's also showing that these slight little divisions in these in these in these groups what do you think about all that i think that is brilliant and yes i agree with you yeah the next thing that of course happens is our dear hedwig gets hurt Mm. We just need a moment. We need a moment for Hedwig, who I have in video form right, right here. There. Hold on. You okay. know what? Let, let me, let me bring healthy. her up for you. She's fine. She's hooting. I got this during Halloween at like a party city or something. Maybe one of those spirit Halloween stores. <laughs> the amount of Harry Potter stuff I purchased is it somewhat comical. It was obscene. But I was like, I need that for my podcast studio. And the person checking me out <laughs> thought that I was an even bigger nerd than... And they original. <laughs> of course you do, lady. Of For course you do. Podcast studio. I need a giant headwig. We do have a Harry Potter podcast, you so, know. <laughs> so she gets hurt. But here's what I love about Hedwig is that Harry has many classes. Sure. And he's in the common room. He's all these different places. But had Hedwig shown up at a different class or at a different time, quite a big scene would have been made about her. What do you mean? Like she could have shown up in Umbridge's class or oh, in fair. Snape's yeah. class, and yeah. no, you can't touch that. Don't bring that beast in here. But she shows up at Ben's. But she class. shows up at Ben's where everyone's half asleep, right? And like Ben's, Ben's doesn't even exactly. <laughs> so for Harry to get her, you know, she doesn't go to the Owlery. She doesn't do any of that. She knows. She knows where Harry is mm-hmm. at that time. It's like he has GPS for her. That's crazy, right? She knows his schedule. Yes. Let's give props to this very intelligent bird. Sure. And she, um, you know, is jumps in when he opens the window. He brings her to the teacher staff room, finds Grubbly Plank, who is holding her pipe between her teeth and inspecting her. And uh, McGonagall, of course, makes sure that Harry gets his little message where it says, same, same place, same time. Let's meet tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Poor little Hedwig is shipped off with Grubbly Plank, who will obviously take care of her. Sure. But she doesn't know that. She doesn't. And I just... If I it was Hagrid, Hedwig. maybe you'd be different. Yes. I mean, Hagrid, if that had happened and Hagrid was there, Hagrid who purchased hey, Hedwig, Hagrid on. That'd be bad would news. Hoo, 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 like, like hoot to her somehow and like figure out who did this to you. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go He'd eat them. Totally going... I'm going to uh, go... Speaking <laughs> all owlies. <laughs> owlies. <laughs> <laughs> gonna go and like gonna hippogriff them. them. <laughs> um, so I just need to like. Buckbeak? <laughs> I needed to give that moment there. Um, it, uh, do I don't remember, Mary? Remember? Um, yes. Do you'll we find, find out? out? Yes, okay. you will. Yes. My my thought is okay. that it's Umbridge. Wonderful. Okay. Right. Correct. Yes. All right. You'll you'll be you'll be finding out real soon. Yeah, I I, I just don't remember. I got you. Um, but since 
since we can talk about oh, it. Oh, but Thestrals are mentioned during yes! this part. So Grebley Plank says, interestingly enough, like Thestrals have been known to attack birds, but Hagrid's got them taken care of. So this is now Thestrals being mentioned again. Harry says, I don't, in his mind, I don't even know what a Thestral is. Yeah, right. So I think for us who've read these books so many times, we've watched the movie so many times, we're just like, oh yeah, Thestrals attack birds, not these ones. But like, no, when you're originally reading this, festivals are being yeah. dropped, yeah. and they're these mysterious things that are mentioned, not necessarily having Harry understand what it is. Right, right. The 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 breadcrumbs that are being dropped here are really smart mm-hmm. by the author uh, because you can just dismiss this as like, oh, well, they're just talking about you know whatever, you know, just for the sake of whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's not, and because now that we know, we now know that there's an obvious connection, and like, uh, it's it's great to kind of bring Harry back to that reality when that mm-hmm. knowledge does become part of like reality for him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, no, 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 you're not crazy. Like, th- those are real things. They're Thestrals, and by the way, they don't hurt birds particularly, like the way that it could have happened. Uh, so I just th- I think that's a, a neat little way to kind of get that information in there and connect you back to the beginning of the book. Um, what was I talking about, Mary? Hedwig. Hedwig. Oh, yes. Now that, you know, obviously you've confirmed that it was Umbridge uh, who injured Hedwig. There's something that I really love about her character. It's not necessarily Umbridge personally, but it's her doing. Oh, okay. Well, I, but I, I still her think it applies. Yeah, I still think it applies. There's something that I love about her character, and Hedwig's no uh, oh. <laughs> Umbridge's character, and, and it's something that I think is specific to her. Okay, which is why I think it's really cool. The way that she has to assert authority comes in a very physical manner, and you would not anticipate that from somebody of her stature, right? Like we in previous episodes, we talked about Bane mm-hmm. and like how Bane he, he in, in The Dark Knight Rises puts his hands on Ben Mendelsohn's, puts his hand on Ben Mendelsohn's shoulder and says, do you feel in charge? Like that is umbrage. Like mm-hmm. calm, cons- like quiet, quiet with like the, the, the scri- Harry scribing, I must not tell lies on his hand. Uh, coming like real close to him, putting her hand on his shoulder, uh, and even g- trying to at the end of the chapter grab Sirius oh, in the fire. Yes. And now this thing with Hedwig, it's very much a tactile kind of intimidation, mm-hmm. and you don't really see that with a lot of other characters in Harry Potter, uh, in the series writ large. And that's why I say it's a really cool written thing for her character because it's it feels specific mm-hmm. to her and this is how you start building out and fleshing out these characters and giving them a real sense of a person like it's probably one of the reasons why we all freaking like despise umbrage is it is this tactile intimidation thing because I think we've all been there as people, right? We've all been physically intimidated by somebody in one form or or another. In this particular case, it's just a really subtle domination mm-hmm. from Umbridge. I don't know. I just think it's a really cool. It is. It's brilliant. A, a little little nice bit of characterization. Uh, we get back to the students all hanging on out and Malfoy's boasting what we were talking about it before, that the Slytherin Quidditch team has been able to meet. They've mm-hmm. been approved of it. And going off, you know, I bet the Gryffindors can't. Um, and my dad's friends with the ministry. And I think Arthur Weasley's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And uh, there's a special ward for people whose brains have been addled by magic. And at this, Malfoy makes a grotesque face with his mouth sagging open, his eyes rolling. <laughs> Crab and Goyle give their usual grunts of laughter. As I totally would have done this. As does Blake I right totally now. I totally would have done this. <laughs> Pansy Parkinson shrieked with glee. Oh, it's my girl, Pansy. Now, this is what I need. Something collided hard with Harry's shoulder, knocking him sideways. A split second later, he realized that Neville had just charged past him, heading straight for Malfoy. Neville, no! Harry leapt forward and seized the back of Neville's robe. Neville struggled frantically, his fist flying, 
trying desperately to get at Malfoy, who looked for a moment extremely shocked. Help me, Harry flung at Ron, managing to get an arm around Neville's neck and dragging him backwards away from the Slytherins. And I just need to note, of course, Neville's freaking out because his parents are at St. Mungo's. Yes. Harry knows this, but hasn't told Neville that he knows. They can't tell anybody that he knows. But this is Neville, who like would never lose it. Right. Loses it, and he is so strong in this moment of anger mm. that it takes both Harry and Ron yeah. to hold him back. Crazy. I mean, Blake, we don't really use that word right now. No, but you know what I mean? Like when it, we're talking about Saint Mungos. Yeah. <laughs> Little insensitive, Blake. <laughs> no, it's incredible. It's, it, yeah, it's incredible. There we like <laughs> wild. Okay. Like that yes. they, they both have to hold him back. And it's yes. a far cry from the kid that God is remember all taken from from Draco, mm-hmm. right? That where he's just like, oh, how about on the roof? You know, like going from that to this, and wanting to punch the kid out, and 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 get into a little bit of a rip roaring battle here. I mean, and they end up losing points because Snape stumbles upon them, and yes. he's like, oh, look at Potter, Weasley, Longbottom. They're all fighting. Ten points from Gryffindor. Um, and, you know, Harry tells Neville, I had to stop you. You wouldn't have fought that fight with Crab and Goyle in it, yeah, too. Yeah, you would have got smoked. Um, and it's just so sad. I'm... Uh, I just feel so bad that Neville has to go through this alone. And then, again, another way that the author is carving Harry out. He has this information, yet, at the same time, cannot comfort Neville in any way. And to make matters worse, this happens... In potions class with his least favorite person ever, Snape. Of course. And Dolores Umbridge is there. But Snape kind of gets it back a little bit. This is a delightful scene, which they showed so well in the movie. It was perfect. Alan Rickman in the film delivers the obviously line. Obviously. I mean, just... You you can't get any... It's it's, It might be better than his ho, ho, ho line in Die Hard. Okay. It might be that it might be better than that. Yeah. It's that good. Obviously. Like it's oh so But you were unsuccessful. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. I you know it the the whole sequence seems to be played out with, you know, uh, some humor here, and which is a great balance to the whole St. Mungo's, mm-hmm. all the other stuff, right? But at the same time, it's 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 actually very sad for what happens to Trelawney. Oh my God, Trelawney who loses it so much, she threw the next copy of the Oracle at Seamus and Dean. Yes, she's just so done with this, slamming copies of the books down and just straight up chucking books at Seamus Finnegan. Yeah, like <laughs> just throwing books. Like how narrowly, how wild is that? Narrowly avoiding Seamus's head. <laughs> oh man. Like, wicked funny, dude. Wicked funny. That is, it is funny, but it's also very sad at the same time. This is a person who, like, this is her only place that she can really be. Well, it makes me sad. You know, our, after, of course, potions, we're going straight to Trelawney, and Hermione leans into, I don't hate her. I just think she's absolutely a polling teacher and a real old fraud. Um, And it's interesting to me that, the fact that Trelawney, because of course, what this book is about, what we're what we're hiding and what Molly's monitoring right now is Trelawney's prediction, right? And so, and then Harry had her had do that other prediction just a mere two years ago, right? That came true, correct? And let's be real, credit where credits due, Trelawney predicts pretty much a lot of things that do come <laughs> true. She's just. She's weird. She's just weird. So people think that she's a fraud or they don't believe in this stuff. And what I think is difficult is that Trelawney definitely has a seeing eye. Not 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like 1% of the time. But, but she nails she that 1%. made these predictions. Yeah. And maybe that isn't something that can be taught. And yet they are trying to teach it. Well, like maybe we, to yeah. see if like anybody does have the gift. This The inner eye. But... <laughs> It stinks because I hate that Hermione's saying all this. She's an appalling teacher and a real old fraud, and yet she isn't a fraud. Yes, she's an appalling teacher. Yes. But I don't think she's a fraud. No, she's not a fraud. 
and I think it's because the students aren't taking like, the the bigger picture. And I'm kind of hot. disappointed that Harry doesn't say. Meh. Yeah, but does Harry know enough to to say that? Well, not right now. Harry's brain is not very. Clear. Yeah, his brain is is freaking grits yes. right now. So. Uh, I shouldn't be holding this 15-year-old PTSD boy accountable for standing up for his <laughs> suffering from teacher. severe depression. Yes. <laughs> um you know I, yeah I, I think it's important too that the main character is not always be right. Right? They yeah. they, they they should not always be in the correct mm-hmm. because if they were then they wouldn't be real characters. They wouldn't mm-hmm. be real people and I, I think that's one of the benefits of a series like this because the characters are, I mean, for as fake as they are, for as magical, magical. and um, mysterious and, uh, you know, full of fantasy, they're still at their core very real people. Mm-hmm. You know, like Seamus is the kid that always blows stuff up, getting into trouble and you know, the the twins doing the things that they do and Harry with his attitude and Hermione being a know-it-all. Like, Snape calls her a know-it-all and he's kind of right. Yeah. Right? I mean, the only person that I can really think of that would not be a good character, I mean, it's JFF. I mean, Justin Finch-Fletchley Stop. is just the Move worst. on. Move on. <laughs> Boom! Okay, so we you know have what? the beautiful... <laughs> And we see the twins trying out all of their stuff and not necessarily getting in trouble. And we get serious. The the kids are waiting. The trio is waiting forever. By the way, the trio is an organization group club of three or more that regularly meet. Good point. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Um, But so Sirius comes in through the flu network, of course. And he says something that Molly's on duty tonight. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. I love that Crookshanks comes and tries to say hi to Sirius. Oh my god! She's like, or he's like, bestie. Hey, what's hey. going on? <laughs> Pound it! I'm gonna singe off all my whiskeys just to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just freaking love it. I love it so much. Um, We're gonna need a return of Crookshanks at some point. Okay. It's like, crook, crooky is one Crookie. of the greatest. Is one of the greatest different perspectives to come out of uh, out of the part part of verse. I can't tell you how many emails we get mm. about Crookie. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> so they they decide no matter what, we're still doing Dumbledore's army. Yes, let's let's do this. Let's figure out a way. Sirius gives them some ideas, and of course, at the very end, a hand had appeared amongst the flames, groping as though to catch a hold of something—a stubby, short-fingered hand oh, covered in ugly old-fashioned rings. I got to tell you. It's it's a scary scene. Like just the idea of seeing this hand come out out of fire, mm-hmm. like trying to grab and grasp. It's almost like the ring. That's yes. what it feels like. That's a scary scene. I agree. And I will say that the show that I'm sorry, that the movie desperately misses something like this. Yeah. I don't know why it was cut out. Well, yeah. It should not have been. It it absolutely should have like because the way that the movie plays out, it's like, oh, something's here. Yeah. Or, or it's like some I heard something, whatever it was, I can't remember. And then and then it just fizzles out. Mm-hmm. There's no tension there. There's there's no it's false tension. Well, it would have been good because later on, you know, the the trio breaks into Umbridge's office to go talk through the flu network, to go right. check in the movie, to go check on Sirius. And, you know, it would make sense that Umbridge says, I've been monitoring it, you know, obviously. And yeah. we put two and two together. So I agree with you. The only thing I could think of is that if they included that. The hand. The hand. Then they wouldn't be able to justify the kids breaking into her office because they know that she's already monitoring the flu network. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think if they know that she's monitoring the whole flu network, I think they're just like, oh crap, she found out. Like right. she's here in the school, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they put would put two and two together from this chapter. Okay. Fair enough. Uh fun facts, Blake. Sure. What do you got? Where we are in this book. Mm-hmm. Is the same length as the first book of the series. Stop it, really? It's October. Oh my goodness. In this book. 
And we would have finished the Sorcerer's Stone at that this point. That is wild when you think about that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. We can use that word now. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're no longer talking about St. Mungo's, yes. Yes. Um, wow, that's so, that's crazy. Yeah, thought I'd share that with Holy you. Holy smokes. All right, you got anything else you want to say about this no, chapter? that's it. We got some emails. You ready? Yes, I am. All right, let's do it. All right, this one comes from David. Hello, David. David says, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. This one comes from Dejana. I apologize. Okay. Hey, Mary and Blake. Dejana here once again. Woohoo! On my, I don't even know how many at this point, listen of the Potter podcast, and now my 10th graders getting into it when I play it in class. I'm listening to The Prisoner of Azkaban again because I assigned it to one of my classes, and they just love reading. I say sarcastically, of course. (laughs) And I have a quick question. So, Mary asked if the kids could do magic on the train when the Dementors came looking for Sirius, and nobody thought to say, Lumos. Didn't Ron do magic in the first book on Scabbers? And didn't Draco do magic on the train in book seven to Harry? Yes. Maybe the kids were panicking in Mm -hmm. book three, and that's why nobody said Lumos? I mean, I'm afraid of the dark, so I'd forget something as basic if basic as breathing if I saw a Dementor. Sorry, I'm rambling. I'm done. I love you guys from Dejana. So, Marvin, thoughts about this uh, about this thesis, if you will. Listen, as a Gryffindor, I would have lumosed. <laughs> times of crisis, times of fear, I take action. As a as a Slytherin, I would have been, hey, look at the time. I'll see you guys later. You'd have been crawling under the seat. <laughs> Absolutely. Every man Throwing for himself. Throwing chocolate frogs. <laughs> well, it's the cards that you want, really. That's <laughs> my, my favorite running joke that's good, of this podcast. Good to remember. Yes. So they were able to do magic on the train without being penalized. Yes. It was just fear. All right. This one, this one is from David. Hello, okay. David. David says, hey, Mary and Blake, first off, I joined the Nerd Clan and I love you guys as podcasters and as a married couple, you guys remind me of me and my wife Aww. and listening to you makes me smile. Aww. But I'm with you wrapping up the third book, which is my favorite. But you guys never mentioned how Trelawney in real life is Lockhart's free of charge. In Blake's voice, who were they were married in huh? real life, and they cheated on her and split up Over because Lockhart <laughs> was snogging Bellatrix. Also, did I did you abs- know this, Blake? No, not at all. You did not know that the actors of Trelawney and, and Lockhart no. married, no, married, and then in a movie, actor of Gilderoy and Bellatrix snogging it up, snogging. So Sunday wait, Sunday. wait, time out. In real life. Real life. Stop. The actors married, cheating on, divorce, Helena Bottom Carter and Trelawney in this movie. All three of these people later on in life after this weird love triangle all in the Harry Potter series. Wow. And Trelawney, actress, is friends with Bellatrix, actress, and saying it's water under the bridge. Get out of here. Yeah. Wow. I did not know any of this. I will give you a little bit more information. Um, Oh, my goodness. I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did I not know any of this? Okay. The huge love affair. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Let me just get this. Get this rocking. All right. Go ahead. Well, all right. So, uh, first of all. Helena Bonham Carter, listen, I would totally potty with okay. her. Okay. Emma Thompson, yes. a.k.a. Professor Trelawney. Yes. And Kenneth Branagh, Branagh, who played Lockhart, yeah. married in 1989, two years after they first met. They were known as the golden couple of British cinema in the early 90s. Makes sense. Fondly nicknamed Ken and M. Enter the iconic 1994 movie Frankenstein, where Branagh directed, starred alongside Helena Bonham Carter, oh, a.k.a. HBC. Bellatrix. And you have yourself a love affair. So um, Brenna and Carter were love interests in the film, and their romance started to spill into real life, which lasted until 1999. Devastated Thompson, a.k.a. Trelawney, finds out about the couple's affair, divorces Brenna in 1995. Famously, famously, it gets even better. 
Trelawney, a.k.a. Emma Thompson, used her heartbreak from the affair to play her fantastic role in the 2003 Love Actually film, where she's crying because she knows her husband's cheating on her. So in that film, when she's crying, she's thinking about Gilderoy Lockhart cheating on her with with HBC. Wow. Yep. And she said you had to just carry on and act like normal, especially for your children. She has made her peace with Helena Bonham Carter, describing her as a wonderful woman. You can't hold on to anything like that, says Emma Thompson, a.k.a. Trelawney. It's pointless. I haven't got the energy for it. Wow. I just, I feel like I, I've just, I've had my eyes opened. I'm seeing the Matrix for the first time. Holy smokes. Yep. Listen, if there's going to be somebody that you cheat on your wife with, it's HPC. And that girl, that girl's banana land. <laughs> I ain't saying it's right, but if there's one girl you're going to pick, it's HPC. That girl will take you for all your money, all your worth, <laughs> send you to Vegas, party with you, and leave you with nothing but a pair of socks <laughs> sitting in the desert. <laughs> oh, my God. That girl. Woo. Yeah. So just picture that. HBC can oh, rip your life away and, and, and laugh about it on the I way home. I can't believe you didn't know that. Did like, not know I about any like of that. I feel like you would have totally known. Huh, okay. Anyway, David continues saying, also, I absolutely love when Mary does the different perspective. She's amazing at it, the characterization of it all, and it is awesome. I love you guys. Keep being you. Aww. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate that. And you just helped open my world. I just took the freaking blue pill. I can't, or red pill. I can't go back anymore. I'm just going to see that from now on. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. This one comes from Bryn. Hi, Bryn. Bryn says, hello, my name is Bryn, and I am a 14-year-old high school student, and I love listening to your podcast. I was ready for you to tell me what house you were in, Bryn. Harry Potter and the Potterverse have brought me Lumos in my time of Knox. You see, I've always been a bit weird to people not luna lovegood like nose picking weird but more like nymphadora tonks weird. oh i dig it yeah i'm very outgoing nice. loud yes. and really clumsy yes and i used to think that people thought that because uh, because of that i was annoying and weird so i would pretend to be someone that i'm not Aww. but since starting high school i've decided to just be myself. Yes, Bryn. And I found that by being myself, self, I have good and close friends. Yes. What, oh my God. What Here's made me. me realize that being myself is the best option was actually. Oh, what? What? hold on. I'm Harry freaking Potter. Harry freaking Potter. I was craving to read about somebody like me. And when I read about Tonks, it made me so happy. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different characters uh, with different personalities with whom you can identify. Agreed. I like to listen to your podcast when I'm feeling sad or stressed. And it always makes me smile and laugh. Now, a few words to Blake. Okay. Order of the Phoenix is the best book. <laughs> Thank you, Brandy. I know. No, no, it is. It is. Oh. Okay. Bryn. Oh, no. Is Bryn, is Bryn going to pick on Justin? Justin Finch Fletchley <laughs> is the worst character. Bryn. And Hufflepuff is oh, Bryn. the best house. She's a Slytherin. No, no. She's the best house. It's also my house. Oh, wait. She said Hufflepuff is the best house? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's her house, so she's a bit biased. But she's hating on JFF? Because JFF sucks. The oh, worst character in all of Harry Potter. Thank you for reading this. Goodbye. Well, Bryn, you know, it's uh, apropos that you mentioned that you want to be who you are, and Harry Potter helps you do that because of the characters within the series. Mary and I, at the begin- in the middle of this podcast, had a big conversation about characterization and why people can relate to these things because they are real characters. They, they are well-written and they're real people. Even aside from all the fantasy, all the magic, all the Hogwarts houses, there is somebody there to whom you can relate on some base level. For you, it's Tonks. And congratulations. That's freaking awesome. 
Tonks is awesome. For me, I kind of, I kind of, my jam is Snape. We know. All right. And for Mary, her jam, what's, who's your jam, Mary? I'm the trio. Yeah. You're the trio. She's the trio. Usually Ron. Her dad is Hagrid. My dad is Hagrid. Right. And, and that's, that's okay. And it's, you, we can say all of these things because it's truly fantastic storytelling and characterization within that storytelling. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't be able to relate to the characters the way that you can, right? So that's the beauty of good writing. As a part of all of this, as a result of that email, I'm going to give Bryn a very important award. It's this. Oh, Bryn. better at those pitches. I'm, you know, it's it's been about 10 years. Yeah. I figure you might as well get it right eventually. All right, Mavin, you ready to close this bad boy out? I am. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Thank you all so incredibly much for hanging on out with Blake and myself as we delved into the Potterverse. We have some more fun chapter explanation uh, explorations going on. Explanations, too. Why not? Uh, yeah, why not? I, I, I dig it. Yeah. Um, if you are someone who enjoys The Crown, we do want to let you know that we have been covering The Crown on Netflix for our generous patrons at jointhenerdclan.com. Also, news broke about Bridgerton. So if you're yes. a Bridgerton fan, that's coming back this spring. So we'll be having our Bridgerton with Mary and Blake podcast. In May. In May. Yes. And for those of you who like series of adventurers. Ah, okay. Who are of the younger variety, who may have access to Disney Plus. Yes. We've got something coming. There is another series coming to life, yes. if you will. Yes. And uh, something may or may not be happening today. <laughs> We're hoping it does. <laughs> We're, all systems are go. Yes. So on that note, my name is Mary. My name is not Justin Finch Fletchley because he sucks. <laughs> and Bryn would agree. Oh, good Lord. You realize that's the reason why I gave her the outstanding, right? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> mischief somewhat managed. Oh.